It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, welcome to The Call, where you get one hour with two experts and basically, I, uh, we have 10 stocks of the day that you have picked. So I would like to welcome our first two guests today. On my right, Andrew Violent, welcome to the program. Thank Did you, I pronounce that correctly? You, 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 you pronounced well, it correctly. Well, that's very exciting. And I also have our friend, Henry Jennings. Welcome, Henry. <laughs> Thank you, good to be here. Yeah, so let's start and have a quick <coughs> view on how you guys are seeing the markets at the moment. Andrew, do you reckon the share market's a bit overbought? Oh, it's tricky. If I can use uh, technical finance uh, parlance, I think things at the moment are uh, certainly from a valuation point of view at the higher end and certainly uh, selling may and go away is starting to sort of uh, ring some bells for me. But equally so, it's great not to see as much volatility about as well. If we sort of cast our minds back to September, October last year, where things were a bit challenging, but like the Saran Superfund, the famous Saran Superfund sitting at about 20% cash at the moment, it's burning a little hole in my pocket. So I'd certainly like some opportunities to go out and spend it. But uh, for the time being, I'm not racing out and spending great swags of money. In particular, also seeing what US earnings season's got in store for us as well. Yeah, well, it definitely has a bit of that feel at the moment, doesn't it? Because we're really hitting up against some of those, you know, resistance levels. Henry, what about you? I'm just thrilled to be here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thrilled to be here with the great ETF whisperer in person. Right, yes. I've made him go a nice shade of red now. Um, but it's great to be here, I have to say. The, the market, it's great to be here in the market as well. Let's face it, 7362. Who would have thunk it? I know. Uh, um, it's, uh, it's hit my target, that's for sure. And I've been lightening the load a little bit in places uh, because it has done that. The, you know, it's, it's not what I'm amazed about. And I think you touched on this the other day. Uh, something I read from Ausbiz was the complacency that is in the market. What are we up? Two points today? Mm. I mean, God, really? Mm. This mm. is exciting stuff. The US was nothing last night. Mm. We've got all this volatility with, you know, Netflix was down 12% at one stage, then back to square. We had the US banks, uh, they're reporting and some good, and mostly good actually, and showing the strength of the big banks. What they have to do with our banks is anyone's guess. I mean, I know that we all go, oh, the US banking results. I mean, what's it got to do with Commonwealth Bank, which is a building society? I mean, really? What's Goldman Sachs results got to do with Commonwealth Bank? It's got to do a lot with Macquarie, I suspect, um, because they do play in the same space. But um, US reporting season, to me, is, you know, it's nice to look at. It's a bit shiny and you know, it's neon and bright, but it's not really going to be the big driver. One of the big drivers will be China. And we are seeing some better numbers coming out of China yesterday. That GDP, 4.5%. That was good. Uh, that's obviously helping our resource sector. We've got the budget coming up. We've got bank results. Uh, to me, it's run hard. 
I'm happy to take some money off the table, sit back. I think the next two months gets harder. Yeah, I think that's all very, very reasonable comments from our experts. So let's go to the uh, stock of the day, Telix Pharmaceuticals, which continues to run after those better than expected quarterly results that we saw yesterday. Andrew, any views on this one? So again, uh, not one that I've looked at super closely, but given the performance of it over the last five years, I probably should have been looking at it pretty closely. (laughs) I note that it's up around 70% per annum for the last five years. So it's been going along incredibly well. Uh, One of the things I like to look at is whether what skin does management have in the game? And in this particular instance, the CEO owns around 7% of the business or what's that, about $200 million. So I always like to see people with a little bit of hurt money in there. There's a fair bit of hurt money involved. Uh, I think the, the reason the market got all excited is because they came out and said that they're cash flow positive now for the second quarter. They're building on that cash that they've got. They've got about 120 odd, uh, sorry, try, yeah, $121 million in cash. And they've also got that 63% margin. Plus there's a whole lot of extra good news coming. So. I quite like it. And certainly from the point of view of the size, it's about $2.8 billion, good trading activity every day. So I, the PE is probably, if I was being a bit negative, which is hard for me to do, especially in the steam company that I have with my best mate, Henry, <laughs> but uh, PE of 67 versus um, forecast earnings rates of 25. So it is pricey. It's undoubtedly pricey, but it's got lots of momentum, lots of good news. I like it. Why don't, why don't we start on a positive note? Why don't we say it's a buy? Oh, wow, a buy already. Gosh, this is a nice change. It's, Henry, it, it, Henry, are we going to have are we going to have another buy here? I think we're going to. Oh my God! Oh, this is my first <laughs> double buy for the week. <laughs> anyway, think, let's think, hear your thoughts. I think we're going to. I mean, this to me is I, I kind of call them penguin stocks, um, and I know that's a bit weird, but um, there comes a time when all the penguins are on the ice floe, and then you get one that jumps in the water, and then everybody jumps afterwards. And we see that a lot with uh, medical device companies, biotech companies. Once you get some traction, once the first penguin jumps, the other penguins follow. These guys have had lots of penguins jumping. The revenue is doing pretty well. They've got a nice build up of cash. Stock price is doing well. They're in the prostate cancer screening business with their imaging technology. Uh, Lucic is the uh, the technology. Sales are up 27% in the US. There's not much not to like in this one, sorry, to, to double negative, but there is a lot to like about this stock. I mean, not all biotechs are born equal, mm-hmm. not all medical device companies are born equal. This is one that is producing revenue, is now heading towards profits, good cash build up, Charlotte's good. Um, the guy's got skin in the game. He probably didn't realize he had quite so much skin in the game when he started out because um, this was a much smaller company. But um, you know, when, when you get it right, in biotech land, you can get it really right, or medical device land. Look at our two biggest companies, what's mm. come of our two biggest companies, Cochlear, a medical device company that's got it right, Res and Med. CSL. I'm yeah. not talking about ResMed, yeah. I think that's a dog. Oh. Um, um, and CSL, um, which, you know, is, is again been a f- huge success story. Another one that's been a huge success story is Neuron Pharmaceutical, right. which has gone nuts. I interviewed the CEO. Uh, last uh, earlier this year actually and they had a, a, a date and they had some milestones everything has happened the stocks doubled it's mm. just going like a train again another biotech that is actually making revenue people like these stocks there's a lot happening in the biotech land medical device land as well so I like Telex we're going to give it I'm going to give it a buy 
fantastic, gentlemen. That's absolutely excellent. Exactly. The drum roll's going on here. No, no, no. It's, it's the wiggle thing. <laughs> it's fingers. the wiggle it's thing the going on. Okay, I've got to learn the jingo here. <laughs> a double buy. But it makes sense because ultimately in a higher interest rate environment, you want companies, cash flow, as you said, skin in the game from management. So totally get where you're coming from. And like you, Andrew, I haven't been in there. So, you know, more for me. Let's move on to our first five stocks of the day that you have picked. And we have Bowen Coking Coal, uh, ticker code BCB, 29 Metals from Owen Hegarty, um, 29M, Cedar Woods, CWP, Transurban, TLC, and Bizaloy Steel. Right, so shall we get started on Bowen Coking Coal? I've got it about a $450 million market cap. Not a lot of love sitting at the moment in coking coals. And uh, just looking, because I was discussing another coking coal company yesterday, which was on a ridiculous yield, but this yield's not as high with Bowen. So, Andrew, any love for this one? Uh, Depends on what frame we're looking at it. Um, Probably the first thing I look at is, and one of the, the, one of the things I really like about the call, apart from being on with my friend here, is that I get exposed to Group Hug. I get exposed to a number of different companies that I probably don't look at that closely or closely enough. And so when I'm doing my screening, one of the first things I'm looking at is how many shares are traded a day, because sometimes Mm. these companies can be crab pots, Mm. somewhat easy to get into, very difficult to get out of. I wouldn't put put Bowen Coal into that, but it's certainly verging on it. I mean, you've got a $460 million market cap and you've only got about 600,000 a day that are actually being traded. So it's okay, but if you want to get set in any meaningful size, it's pretty hard to do that. On a positive basis, it's recently been added to the ASX S&P 300. So all of the the fundies, all of the um, ETF guys and girls that are having to um, buy the indexes, the VASs of the world as an example, they certainly need VAS. We started with the ETFs already. (laughs) It seems we're already on VAS. I was so tempted to bring bring in Cure with Telex, but I thought, no. Didn't take you long, did it? (laughs) Um, So as a consequence, uh, I like that. And certainly the coal price itself is under pressure. If you look at the coal price since February, it's down 20%, which is why obviously these companies are. But then we sort of look at valuations and a PE of 50 times is probably uh, a little bit challenging, albeit the forecast earnings per share growth is in nosebleed territories and it's mm. quite aspirational. Long story short, a bit too exciting for me. So uh, I'd be more inclined to sort of, you know, if I was going to look at a coal company and it's not like for like, but it'd be like a Whitehaven or something like that. But having said that, doesn't really float my boat in general. I'd be more inclined to buy either BHP yep. or I may sort of take it back a step and look at like MVR, which is like a more broader based resource mm-hmm. ETF. But nothing wrong with it, but I can't find it compelling enough. So I'd call it a hold. A hold. Not an avoid, not a sell. No, a no, no, no. There's a special have... pantheon for those types of companies, but <laughs> okay. uh, not, that doesn't make it in me. Henry. Um, I find it hard to get excited about this one, I must admit. I think it's a hold for me as well. Um, I'm not even going to go down the ETF route with this one. But, you know, for coal exposure, if you really want coal exposure, go with Whitehaven. These guys are about three months behind in production because of the rain uh, that we've seen. Um, I don't know what the weather forecast is, but, um, you know, obviously they are susceptible to weather events. I can't see too many reasons why I'd want to be in long this one, to be honest. There's so many good stocks out there. We just talked about one uh, with momentum. This mm. one just doesn't really float my boat at the moment. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
Let's move to something that may float their boats, 29 metals. I've actually met Owen. I actually emceed him at an event last year and what a character he is. But 29 Metals has not lived up to expectations thus far. Just looking at the share price, so I'm just purely looking at it from that perspective. Mark would like to know your thoughts, Andrew, on 29 Metals. So again, um, as Henry's been alluding to, my speciality is ETFs. <laughs> so it's certainly happy to talk to it. And, you know, Owen Hegarty's a switched on guy, but, um, yeah, I'm probably, I, I wouldn't call myself a, um, a small copper expert. Uh, and it's $640 million in market size. Again, it's you know not one of the, sort of the larger companies out there. I, I note with interest, and I'd be interested, maybe Henry's got a view as to why they're trading at such a deep discount to their consensus. Like consensus is $1.80. Because they're all wrong. Okay, well, there's, there's part of <laughs> that. That's one reason. And if I, if I take a step back and sort of look more at the whole decarbonisation and oh. electrification theme, you absolutely need to have some copper exposure. And copper is sort of going away on the market as such, like there's, it's harder to get exposure to it. Um, from a global supply point of view, we're actually going to be in deficit till 2030. So if you're trying to get exposure to the metals that sort of play into those sort of decarbonisation electrification themes, you absolutely want to be in copper. So again, Andrew, the ETF guy would do wire, which as the name suggests, sort of buys a number of different global copper miners. But in the context of sort of more local exposure, I think it looks interesting. But as I said, I put it as a whole simply because I just don't understand the business enough. But from a valuation point of view, given that deep discount, uh, given the quality of the management, given the diversification, it's a qualified buy subject to what my friend has to say. As to oh, we're going to take the lead from you, Henry. Oh, why wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> this one rude is rude not to, I'd say. It is rude not to. I mean, this one's an interesting one. 29M29 medals. Uh, is Owen Hegarty. He is a very, very um, experienced and very, very good operator in this space. Copper is an interesting space at the moment. We're just yesterday was the last day of trade for Oz Minerals. There is $10 billion in cash of copper investing exposure that is now searching for a home. Mm. Now, where does it go? It could go to Sanfire, it could go to 29 Metals, uh, it could go a little bit further down uh, the list, but this one certainly is up Why? there on the list. Oh. It's not gonna go to wire, <laughs> trust me. It is not gonna go to wire. The people I couldn't help that, myself, I, I just the, felt I had to throw that one in. The, pe the people that invest in these sorts of things no, do not invest in ETFs, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, this one is interesting. They've got some issues with Capricorn. Again, another weather event. Three to four months of production lost there. but the, And a lot of dewatering as well. I think there's seven metres of water in one of the pits. That is a lot of water. So it's going to take them a while. It's going to cost them a bit. They have uh, talked to their insurance company as well. It has been under a lot of pressure because of that. Mm. It has bounced. I suspect some of that bounce is... Uh, they're getting a couple of new board members. Uh, they've had some good mm. drill results. And we're getting that $10 billion slug hmm. of copper money going somewhere. Interestingly, this morning I was reading that BHP are talking to the Chilean government, hmm. or Chilean, Chilean hmm. government, uh, about expanding their operations there, big time expanding hmm. uh, their operations there, uh, which could sort of sort out some of those supply issues. I like this one. I don't want to pay $1.32 for it. I want to pay $1.20 for it hmm. uh, or below. 
So for me at the moment, it is a hold. Let's just let the Oz Mineral money wash through a little bit mm -hmm. uh, and we'll look at it then after that happens. But $1.20, I think this one is kind of pretty good buying territory, but okay. um, it has bounced a little bit too much for my liking. Unfortunately, those couple of good announcements have popped it up. So. Um, yeah, dollar twenty. Yeah, happy I did to be notice buying. They've got a couple of new board members, don't they? Tamara, Tamara Brown and somebody else yeah. from memory, Francis, somebody. Anyway, um, but yes, a couple of good board members and uh, some good results, and the market likes it because they're looking for copper. Yeah, where do we get our exposure. copper exposure? Exactly, it's getting really, really hard. Yeah, it's always interesting though, isn't it? How many weather events are starting to impact? on our resource companies and it's it's just you know either I'm just looking at it anecdotally but you know it has been a feature hasn't it we've, we've had La Nina there's been so many wet weather events impacts on costs etc and if you subscribe to the scientific view about more intensification of weather events so I mean these companies are just going to have to deal with these factors well not only these companies we're all going to have to deal with these correct factors. the good thing about from a resource company point of view is okay, it may uh, slow down production, but the, the asset itself, mm. the gold, the silver, the zinc, the copper, whatever, is still there. Mm. All it does is extend the timing and you're gonna add some costs maybe to dewater or whatever you're gonna have to do, but the asset hasn't been washed away. No. Um, it hasn't been destroyed. The, the business environment hasn't changed. So, you know, people get all upset about, you know, production delays, but they are delays. The gold's still there. Hopefully. And there's impact on the ag guys and girls. You Absolutely. Know, so you're seeing totally. what's happened with like the cattle price as an yeah. example. And then without being captain obvious, there's an impact on the insurance side as well. So it's more of a broader market. Like, sure, there's different, but it's a more of a broader market perspective that's going yeah. to Yeah, I think over time, and we're getting really off script here, it's actually everything is impacted. Okay, quickly. <laughs> I didn't get that memo. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try and get us back on script, which is our next stock, Cedar Woods, CWP. Bert has asked about this, a, about a $400 million market cap, prospective yield of 6%, my research shows, property developer. Now, Andrew, I know I know your speciality is ETFs, but we're going to have to do, do a double. You're going to have to wait more for the, the second there second part be. of the show. There must be an ETF for this, surely. There is. We've got is a few. Is house? H-O-U-S-E? <laughs> um, so there is ETFs, but we'll come to that in a moment. Uh, so again, one of the first things I look at is daily turnover. So daily turnover, there's only about $200,000 a day turned over on a $400 million company. And that's in part because the chair, who's also the co-founder, he controls around 13% of the company. So again, ticks the skin in the game box, but without trying to talk on both sides of my mouth, that's actually been a problem because it reduces liquidity. Mm. And that lack of liquidity then lacks institutional appeal. Does it potentially impact its ability to go into an index? Because being in the index, you know, you've got to have the liquidity as well. So that's certainly something that is a bit of an amber light for me. Um, property development in Western Australia uh, and Victoria is also a bit of an amber light for me mm. in the context of rising interest rates. I'm not suggesting they're not good at their business. They've actually done incredibly well. But all these things move through cycles. And uh, we've seen a number of house uh, builders go bad recently. Mm. And, you know, is there going to be a knock-on effect relating to that as well? 
Uh, from a valuation point of view, it looks really interesting. The PE is around 10 times, so relative to the market, it's actually pretty cheap. And it's got forecast earnings per share growth of around 8% per annum. So again, you know, the, that's telling us, you know, my friend, the peg ratio, mm-hmm. where we're trying to find EPS growth faster than we're trying to find a PE multiple, it's failing that test, but it's not outrageously priced either. So. I think there's probably more negatives than positives, but not to the point where I want to stick it in the naughty corner. So it is a hold. A hold. Why did I know you were going to say hold? (laughs) I knew you were going to say hold as well. (laughs) Oh, the ETFs. So um, you probably want to think about if you're looking for property ETFs and we could spend the next half an hour on that, but we won't. VAP is probably the one to think about, which is the Vanguard Australia Property Dones, the 29 top. Uh, REITs in the country, so it's not quite developers, but if you're looking for that property exposure on the ETA, on the ASX using an ETF, too many acronyms, probably VAF would be the one to think about. VAF. Sorry, VAP. That's what I thought VAP. you said, VAP. VAP. Yeah, just on uh, how many um, developers companies are going bust at the moment, I saw uh, a posting on Twitter today, we're up at record levels of builders and etc. you know, in the building sector going bust at the moment, which is obviously impacts on supply as well. So we've got this really sort of nasty nexus going on. If you have enough cash flow and can survive, you'll probably do quite well. Um, what do you think of Cedar Woods? Uh, Cedar Henry? Woods for the trees. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's just... I like that joke. It's, it's an First oldie. joke of the day. Please don't encourage him. It's an oldie please with a goldie. Um, it's going to be a long hour if you start encouraging It'll go quick, don't worry. We'll talk about more ETFs. 52% of these guys, of these guys' sales are in WA. Um, 22% in Victoria. WA is going, WA is a separate country, mm. pretty much. You know, we've got a resource boom on. Uh, you may not have got the memo, but you know, BHP's <laughs> at nearly 48 bucks again. Um, we have got a bit of a resource boom going on. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with these. Construction companies going bust, they go bust for a variety of reasons. The biggest one at the moment is they've got fixed price contracts, contracts mm. and costs have gone up. Mm. The good news for those that survive is there is a lot more tradies around. So their costs, they can actually negotiate the tradies down a little bit. And also there is, as you say, not so much supply of product because there's lots of scaffolding sitting around in houses that are half built and people arguing about them. These guys who are pretty good operators over the years uh, should do better than most. So for me, it's not a screaming buy because there obviously are some risks, but we are seeing some nascent signs that the housing market is picking up. Mm. We're also seeing uh, a lot of competition. I know everyone's talking about this fixed rate cliff and all this sort of stuff, but the the banks are fighting tooth and nail Mm. for for mortgages. CBA, they cut their fixed rate for three years rate down the other day, down. Mm. Now, the RBA the can do whatever they like. Mm. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, we, we don't really, you know, the RBA can do what they do, but the banks will do what they do. Mm. And if you're a good bet and a good credit rating and you've got good LVRs, the banks will compete tooth and nail. They'll give you a free massage chair, a little blow up dragon, $3,000 cash back, whatever, 4000 I saw 4000 A blow up dragon, that is terrifying. <laughs> Have you seen the ads? The St. George, the little dragon sitting there on the massage chair. Oh, dear. Oh, we'll give you 3000 bucks back. Um, to cut a long story short, Cedar Woods, good operator, good skin in the game from management. It is a hold. Uh, obviously, there's some headwinds, but I think given they operate in WA predominantly, 
um, and that is a separate universe to the rest of Australia, yeah. then I think this is a, a hold. It's, pr- it's probably bordering on a buy, but it has run quite hard anyway. Right, okay. A hold, two holds there. Just to let you know, we got given baby lions when ING took over bearings. We all got a little baby stuffed lion for the desk. Good to know. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Moving on. How about those Broncos? <laughs> exactly. Transurban. Okay, so a much larger market cap company. Uh, had some good results out yesterday. It has performed well, probably due to the fact that uh, yields have been moving down. Andrew, do you like Transurban? I do like Transurban. The only thing I dislike about Transurban is the price. Right. It is certainly fully valued. And on a number of different measures, um, again, my favourite one being, of course, consensus, which is dangerous because you get think groupthink, but consensus is around 14.47 versus current price of around 14.70 odd. So it is fully priced, but uh, for what you're getting, you're getting a company that owns 21 assets, 330 kilometres of motorways, average uh, weighted concession life of 30 years. Uh, there's lots to like about this business uh, and we do like infrastructure as part of a core portfolio. So again, mm-hmm. if you're looking at a direct equities portfolio, you definitely want to have some infrastructure in there. It's just the timing relating to Transurban. Yep. However, if you were thinking about ETFs, you might think about <sighs> here it comes. Can't help himself. Here it comes. I was going to ask. <laughs> Look, I'm here in person. It might yeah. be my only time here. I'm just going to give it a red hot go. Uh, IFRA or Mitch would be the two. But it's important to note, and that's why I started with you to have them in your portfolio, that both of those ETFs have got a pretty good weighting towards Transurban. Mm-hmm. So if you want to cut out the middle person, so to speak, having just transurban would not be a bad thing, but the valuation or the price is the issue. Can I just ask a question? Sure. What's IFRA exposed to? Uh, relative to Mitch, well, IFRA well, is if more you wanted passive. to buy transurban, which is a yeah. toll road, yeah, yeah. how many toll roads are in IFRA's ETF? So basically, what's the exposure so to got, toll road well, operators? Well, it's also got like pipelines, yeah, it's got um, railroads, etc. So cetera. it's, it's, so it's, it's quite diversified. It's quite diversified. Yeah. And it's more of a passive, I can't remember the index, it's some FTSE index, whereas yeah. Mitch, the Magellan product, is more active. active yeah. So again, the halfway ground might be uh, the Magellan product because yeah. by virtue of its active nature, I really like Transurban and I would struggle to tell people not just to buy Transurban unless you wanted that global play because yeah. by virtue of Transurban's operations... It's Which is a, re- a yield play really on yeah. treasuries, isn't it? Yeah, bonds, and it's yeah. 2.8% yield this year, dividend yield, and then in fact increasing to 4.1% next year. So are you going to, being fully valued but you really like it, does that make it a big hold? Or it's, is it buy on weakness, or how would you like to frame um, it? I think I think we've used the term nibble in the past. Nibble. Oh, the nibble. Nibble, I, nibble a giant like transurban. I think it's uh, how do you okay. with an elephant slowly. So in other words, you have a small a holding. Weakness. Yeah. And then averaging. You know, so so I'll pick a number. General advice. We don't give advice here, but general advice. Correct. You might have five, three to five percent of your portfolio in infrastructure. Yeah. So you might do one percent now. Yeah. And then you wait for the oh bother moment, which yeah. you know. Um, China, Ukraine, whatever, and then markets drop 10%, then you're just incrementally stepping yourself in. So you want some exposure, but you wouldn't be going in boots and all initially. Fair enough. Henry? Um, Transurban has been one of my favourite stocks for all time. This is a classic. This is one of the best inflation hedge stocks around. They have toll roads that rise, the tolls rise by inflation 0.1% 
plus a percentage. They're long life assets, they are fantastic, and they're always pretty full. And we are seeing the return of traffic big time. Not only that, in New South Wales, we have a new Premier. We have a little man. Yeah, and that's what worries me. Sorry to interject. I'm going to interject here because because they are so, let's say, inflation hedged, there is a lot of, you know, politics around rising prices. Is there any scope for the governments to They've, they've just done and, it. They've, oh, they, they have. They, they, they've capped tolls yeah, yeah. at a certain level. Yeah. So that is just like open slather now. You can drive up and down as much as you like because you're going to get a cap on the tolls on certain roads from the Labor government that's just come into New South Wales. Happy days for Transurban. And we've seen that in the traffic numbers. People are coming back to work. Uh, we're seeing that from our own anecdotal evidence. These guys have got, um, obviously, the debt is an issue. and Everyone gets really excited about that, or rather unexcited about that. They've got most of it hedged. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not an issue. The only issue for these guys, the only negative is the fact that Scott Charlton, who's been running this for a long time and has nailed it, absolutely nailed it, is um, on his way out. Yeah. So he has announced that he's leaving, so we're going to get a new CEO. But you know what? At the end of the day, they're roads. They're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Every time it goes boop, mm. Transurban is just going, thank you. And for the government, the, uh, the past government, uh, Dominic Perrottet in New South Wales, was looking at the cost of getting out of some of these 30-year concessions that they've got on the M2, etc., M5, M4, um, that would be astronomical. Mm. It would be, it's far cheaper just to put a cap on the tolls. Mm, mm. Far cheaper, because there's no way the New South Wales government mm. is going to pay tens of mm. to get those concessions back. Sorry, Bob Carr signed them, Macquarie devised them. Yeah. You didn't read the small print, yeah. mate. You didn't think ahead. Yeah. Uh, here we are ahead. Great inflation hedges, great businesses, traffic back. What there's nothing. Okay, so is, is, buy at these levels? It's a bit nosebleedy for me. Yeah. It's definitely a hold. I was pushing these at sort of 12, 13 yeah. bucks, 13 and a half bucks. Here we are at nearly 15 bucks. It's a bit nosebleedy. Mm. Um, but it's it's a great business. And if you get the chance on a you know, if the market pulls back yeah. 10% and these pull back below $14, 13 15 yeah. And it's also, too, we're losing so many um, listed exposures to infrastructure. You know, Sydney well, airport's disappeared. and Yeah, so that means there's, there's not a lot in, lot in Australia. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's move along swiftly to Bizaloy Steel, which has been picked by Simone, a steel plate manufacturer. I was not across this stock, but uh, maybe you can shed some light for me, Andrew. And neither was I, hence uh, doing some homework. <laughs> so again, one of our smaller ones we're going to look at today, only yep. 95 million market cap. And that again, is- starting to fail, Andrew's daily turnover test, only 73,000 a day being traded. Mm-hmm. So here I was, one of the early ones, bemoaning 200, mm-hmm. 73. We're nearly getting to uh, trade by appointment. We're not quite there, but it's certainly moving into that realm. <laughs> Um, one of Andrew's famous amber lights is there's a new CEO. New CEOs are great. New CEOs bring in different perspective, different ways of thinking about things, but they also have a habit of finding skeletons uh, mm. and pinning things on the previous management. So certainly a new CEO is a little bit challenging for me. 
Uh, valuation AP of six times, I mean, you'd have to think six looks pretty interesting, but there is no forecast or consensus earnings per share growth available, so it's a bit hard to quantify what that looks like. But if we sort of go back and what they did last year, they delivered around 7% per annum. So valuation is probably okay, but the thing that puts me sort of into the whole territory is low daily turnover and a new CEO, and obviously the cyclical nature of steel as well. So on balance, it is... But again, a hold. Fair enough. Do you have any love for this, Henry? Um, I didn't actually um, look at this one, to be honest, because it came out as BOS in my email, which I took as BOE, which is Boss Energy, rather than Biz, (laughs) B-I-S. So Boss Energy, interesting, uranium play, honeymoon, (laughs) a uranium plant being opened up. As far as Biz goes, I'm with him. Why? Exactly. Why why bother? You know, there's no volume in the thing. Just why bother? So basically an avoid. Why bother? Okay. It's an avoid. Everything has a price. Yeah. But it's not this price. Okay. Great. Let's just sum up where we are at. So we had um, a double buy, a wiggles moment with our stock of the day, Telix Pharmaceuticals. Both and I a buy from Andrew and Henry. I mean, basically, it's ticking all the boxes in terms of cash flow generation, skin in the game from the uh, CEO founder, uh, growth offshore, right sector. And so that is quite exciting. I'm sure that might be referred to uh, the investment committee. If we move on to the top uh, five stocks that we've had, uh, Bowen Coking Coal really couldn't find too much love from either Andrew or Henry, a buy from both of them. Um, and both, if you want, uh, both said, if you want uh, Coking Coal exposure, have a look, or coal exposure, have a look at Whitehaven Coal. Moving on to 29 Metals, in spite of the excellent management that we have there, a hold for Andrew, and he did mention why the ETF for copper exposure through an ETF product, which gives you a global exposure. And Henry, a hold, but just making the point that $10 billion worth of monies are coming out of the likes of Oz Minerals and will be looking for a home in the copper sector. Let's go to Cedar Woods. Um, Andrew, if I read you correctly, I think you said a hold on that one and you proposed, yeah, another hold. Uh, basically, didn't didn't pass the test, turnover light, like skin in the game, but it was kind of like, why, why would you? Henry, however, uh, also a hold, did say, you know, WA is its own country, which is pretty much true, and they have a huge exposure there and there's a mining boom, but however, just a hold. Transurban, a lot of love from both Henry and Andrew, but the price is just a bit rich at this point in time. So Andrew has a nibble, otherwise known as a buy on weakness or an average in, and Henry says, you know, great stock, inflation hedge, ticks all the boxes, but just fully priced. So again, a hold with a buy into weakness. Um, And Bizaloy Steel, well, really, that didn't find a lot of love, a bit small, a bit of a lobster pot. And uh, Henry summed it up with a white bother avoid. So apologies, Simone, for that one. Let's move ahead and just check in in terms of how the portfolio is going. And the call is tracking our own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. And I assume, Henry, you're on that committee, aren't you? 
I am for my sins. Ah, there we go. So let's check in with the portfolio update. Going into April, New Century was removed, WiseTech was added, weightings of Wes Farmers and Macquarie Group went up by 2% each, another 1.5% was added to Boss Resources, 7% cash was spent. And let's check in and see how the portfolio perform is performing. So far, the fund is up 10.03% on a cumulative return basis since inception on March the 1st. So keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. Okay, the second part of the program. I feel, Andrew, you're going to find some love in this second half. We've got a few ETFs. So we're going to be looking at, first of all, Wizzer, and then we have some ETFs popping in. We have BetaShares India Quality Fund, BetaShares Geared US Equity Fund, the LI Long Short Fund, and then we have a REIT Charter Hall Social Infrastructure REIT. So just to change it around a little bit, I'm going to ask Henry in the second half, get the first the first bite of the cherry, so to speak. Wizzer. I'm going to go with Wiser. As oh, sorry, it's Wiser. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Wiser. As sorry. As opposed to Wiser. Okay. Um, <laughs> certainly their share price performance may sort of indicate. It has been in the toilet, I have to say. So, um, yes, that's certainly one thing uh, that, is, um, that is prevalent. In Everyone's got to have their one little faux pas, don't they? <laughs> they do. We're they not do. here to judge. We're not here oh, to judge. No. Dear. Wait Wiser. You, okay, wait let's try get, that again. Try and get Andrew to pronounce Fortescue Mining. <laughs> <laughs> FMG. You can't say Fortescue. Fortescue. What? Fortescue. Fortescue. Well, why don't we go with Fortescue or something <laughs> most of the time? I, I only say it 20 times a day in the mirror at 3 in the morning <laughs> to make sure that I get it right. Hopefully not after. Right. A, yes, anyway. We digress. Let's go uh. back to Wiser. Um, and I'm none the wiser for this one. This one, I've got to say, I was along this one for a while. And it does a great presentation. It does a great slideshow. It looks really trendy, really cool. And all the, all the little hockey sticky things look all good. And then all the little bars go up. But the, all that's happened is the stock's just gone south, mm. majorly south. It is showing signs that it may have bottomed, may have, um, I have to say. But it's been, it's been tortuous, to say the least. And it kind of falls into that fintech basket, which we all really fell in love with when interest rates were near zero and have fallen out of love with as interest rates have gone up and it has put pressure on the likes of Wiser which does do uh, loans yeah, uh, effectively. Fintech, yeah. yeah, it's a fintech. So um, it has struggled. You wouldn't think it struggled when you look at the presentations because the presentations are fantastic. You know, they, they took, you know, revenue 43.2 million, up 65%, new loan originations up 30, all the numbers look fantastic, except the share price, right? which is four and a half cents. And it's, at least it's showing signs of life. Uh, they do have some cash, um, but it's been a long road down and it's going to be a long road back. I, I, you know, it, it'll be one of those stocks that come June, it'll be on people's list to sell for tax loss selling. So you may get an opportunity in June to pick this one up again, sub four cents, if that is really gonna float your boat. But as I say, they do a really good prezzo. They do a great slideshow. They're still they loss making. Yeah. Well, aren't they all? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, that's really hard in this environment. So if you if you held the stock and you're sort of down. If, if I held it, um, and I was still a fan. If I held it, I'd still hold it. I wouldn't be selling okay. here. 
but if I was looking at a new opportunity to buy something in the market, Wiser or now, <laughs> now called Wizer, um, wouldn't be on my list of stocks to buy. Andrew. The old Wizer. Uh, down 75% for the year, which is obviously not super helpful. And to Henry's point, despite the charts, if you, or sorry, the presentation, if you delve into it, it's still not profitable. So, and their NIM is coming under pressure, their net interest margin, because I mean, they're really sort of like a lender when it comes down to it, they're a lender, a fintech, but also a lender. Uh, their bad and doubtful debts are starting to go up, their NIM's under some pressure. So I, I think, you know, Henry's spoken many wise words here today, but if you take nothing else away from today, that May and June piece, we are gonna see the, the sort of beaten up part of the market is gonna come under immense pressure. Yeah, There's gonna be a heap of tax yeah. Do you, Ausbiz viewer and listener, we're not telling you to do that. We're just simply stating fact. And therefore, if you like this company, there will be an. Op- I'm confident there will be an opportunity for you to buy this in May or June. But four and a half cents on everything we're seeing, that is not the number. So, hold, sell. It's definitely a hold. <laughs> a but, hold. But whether, well, what's the default answer? Yeah. But. <laughs> Is it a buy? Not at four and a half. But it was three, yeah. three and a half. Yeah, but I'd, maybe I'd be a speculative buy at those level. Yeah, levels. but again, you've got to have some comfort that interest rates are topping out. They're able to protect their NIM and that they don't have too many more bad and doubtful debt blowouts. So, and the share price down seventy five percent in a year. That's mm. that's pretty special. Yeah. So. No, absolutely. Okay. Well, Peter, thank you so much for that, and apologies for mispronouncing wiser. Maybe, and, and maybe they should I... change then their pronunciation. Maybe that would help. I can see I'm never going to live this one down. Opportunity. I'm no. never going to live this one down. <laughs> Management will be calling Ausbiz this afternoon. Anyway, let's move on swiftly. Time to get into some ETFs. And the first one is BetaShares India Quality Fund. And uh, India is very much on the radar for a lot of investors, uh, not only as a growth economy, but also with friend-shoring. Apple just opened up a big um, shop there. So, Henry? Uh, no. No. It's got no interest. No interest? None at all. I have no idea what any of these Indian companies do, right. the, the, apart from the fact they're big Indian companies. <coughs> and we've seen Adani, a big Indian company, come under serious pressure. I, I, you know, Indian investing is, in theory, fantastic. And it is a big economy. It is a lot of people, etc. But... Oh, you know, I've, I look through the list of these companies and I don't recognise any of them. Mm. So all I'm doing is throwing money at India. Andrew will, will be the expert on this. Okay. He is the whisperer. Take it away. Okay, so you're an avoid. Oh, it's just... Yeah, okay. I did notice, I actually had a look at some of the top shareholdings in there and I did notice, uh, I think Tata is in there, yep. but they've got quite a lot of banks, as you sometimes get with emerging markets. So I don't know, I did a quick calculation, but in terms of the larger shareholdings... It's about 23%. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think, Andrew, of this ETF specifically for India versus possibly other Indian ETFs? So there is another Indian ETF, which I'll talk about in yeah. a second. And I think Henry raises an excellent excellent point relating to if you run your names through the list of some of these um, other global ETFs you would recognize the names it might be Apple or Microsoft or Tesla whatever the case may be we use their products we understand it Uh, but equally so you look at some of the names and some of the names I knew like Tata, Infosys, Mm. Reliance Mm. but then there's others like ICICI Bank rolls off the tongue or Axis Bank so 
who are these people? So part of it is like when you're investing in it, do you actually understand what you're buying? And, you know, is it what it says on the tin, you know, as Henry keeps on talking about as well. Uh, from, a, from a type of businesses they're buying, they're buying the top 30 quality businesses. So as we all know, any of the uh, Ausbiz fans out there, the number one ETF to buy is Qual. And the reason it's the number one to buy is because it's... The one ring to rule them all. The ring to rule them all. <laughs> and the reason I like Qual so much is because it's buying quality businesses. We're very, And I know we're running short on time, but no, it's no. really important that we talk about factors when we're talking about ETFs. Yep. So one of the important factors for me is quality. Yep. Low debt, steady to increasing earnings, steady to increasing return on equity. What is a quality business? This ETF is focused on the top 30 quality ETFs in India and they use measures of high profit, low debt and earning stability. They're the measures that they define as quality. So, and that's why it's probably got more funds under management than the global X competitor. This has got about 73 million versus 40 million for the global X competitor. Mm -hmm. Albeit it's MER, it's management expense ratio is a bit higher, about 0.8 versus 0.69. Look, on balance, um, I prefer a more diversified global ETF, so as opposed to trying to be a country specific. So it's not saying there's anything wrong with this, or in fact, there's anything wrong with India. Far from it, India's really doing mm. quite well at the moment. But I'm more inclined to buy either from a passive point of view, like a Vanguard one, like a VGAD or something like that. Is that, that an emerging markets that is, No, that is developed markets. That's developed. developed okay, so markets. you wouldn't capture in India. Well, in again, we could, have a, we could have a conversation around developing markets as well. Yeah. But more broadly, I'd have a developed market ETF mm -hmm. as the core, and mm -hmm. then a satellite might be something like Qual or something like that, where you're capturing sort of mm -hmm. that sort of quality factor. Um, otherwise, to your point, you know, you might have an emerging markets ETF, you know, something like Femex or something like VGE. But to try and pick country specific, I think, is probably a little bit tricky. Mm -hmm. And so it's nothing wrong with it. I quite like it. I like the fact that they're using it probably just doesn't fit in my box. OK, fair enough. So that's sort of an, an asset allocation call. It's an asset backing. allocation as yep. opposed to a company. Yep. Or no, ETS I get that totally. Fantastic. Hopefully that helps you, Lyndon. Moving on swiftly um, to the beta shares geared US fund. Sean says, I'm 28 and I've just started uh, buying ETFs for the longer term. I'm looking at buying GGUS. Henry? Should have, should have done it three months ago, Sean. <laughs> um, it's, it's run pretty hard. I mean, it's a good ETF. It's geared to the US market. It's, um, the US market's been going well. Um, there's certainly nothing wrong with this. It's a lot better than the Indian one because I actually understand what the stocks do vaguely and have heard of them as opposed to uh, all those IT and Indian uh, banks. So it's this is a really good one if you're prepared for the leverage because it does mm. have leverage to the US market mm. and leverage does work both ways. Uh, if the US market starts to stumble, we're in the middle of reporting season, we're not even in the middle, we're just starting reporting season. If we do see the US market stumble and the Fed go harder or whatever happens, we could see uh, that US market come under pressure and the leverage in this will hurt you. So just be a little bit careful. I would advise Sean that if you are contemplating ETFs for the first time, maybe you should um, stick with ones, uh, maybe Qual. It is um, 
the one ETF to rule them all. And I'm getting uh, some serious love hugs from uh, from Andrew on that one. Or maybe even just going for a US ETF that hasn't got the leverage, mm. just to play yourself in a little bit of bat and pad to start with, get a feel for how it works. Because this one has run pretty darn hard yeah. already. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Three months ago, you would have been, yep, ship it in. But now it's more a hold probably more take profits to be honest okay a hold to take profits love the cricket analogy andrew andrew um look everything that henry said and then some so it's really just geared exposure to the s p 500 like, that's all we're doing here and to tease that out a little bit more the gearing is somewhere between 50 and 65 percent mm. so you've got a pretty high level of gearing albeit there's no margin calls or anything like that so that's great uh, it is hedged. So again, if you're worried about what the dollar's doing, that will give you some comfort, but it also potentially takes away some of the return potential as well. Funds under management is not too bad, about 150 million, so it's actively supported. But to Hendry's point, and that gearing piece down 30% for the year. Mm. So to me, probably a bit too exciting. Andrew the Boring, favorite ice cream is vanilla. Um, I, my S&P exposure, it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like vanilla ice cream. Yeah, yeah. no, so do I. Um, I mean, you know, you might have like a chocolate topping or something like that <laughs> oh, or some freckles. sprinkles. Or yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, but you've got some optionality there. But it's the good. base case is vanilla. Yeah. Um, I quite like BetaShares product QUS. Mm-hmm. So it's an equal weighted mm-hmm. S&P. So one of the problems with the S&P is it's heavy tech, yep. heavy financials. Mm. This one is 0.25% of everything. Yep. And it's actually done really well. So equal weight, so again, coming back to factors or strategies, equal weight is another strategy or factor that I really like. In Australia, MVW is the product. Uh, but yeah, QUS doesn't give you the gearing. So, you know, you're not going to buying at 30% discount to where it was 12 months ago, but giving you that more broader exposure, but without all the, the lumpy bits, QUS might be one to think about. So this one's a hold, but just a bit too exciting for me. Yep, vanilla. Vanilla is the way it works. Okay, moving on to our next stock. Um, We have the LI Long Short Fund. And Lynn says, is it a useful hedge against index tracking returns? How confident should we be of their shorting strategy in such a volatile market, Henry? Sorry, that is, you would never buy this for an index uh, hedging uh, instrument. Sorry, Lynn, this is not one of those. This is an LIC run by a guy called Mark Landau, and he does a fantastic job. They don't short the market, so it's not a hedge. They would do what we call, to some extent, pairs trades. So they will be long some stocks mm-hmm. and they will be short others. But predominantly still, they will have significant exposure to the long side. They do well when the market goes up and the stocks they're short of go down. That is the, the the optimal situation for these guys. They have done very well. I've got to say, I like this stock. Have been long it for a long time mm. because it was trading at a big, big fat discount. And I call these my hot tub time machines because um, you are buying uh, assets that are for a dollar. Uh, you're buying these assets for sometimes 80, 85 cents. Mm. And they're a dollar uh, in terms of valuation, in terms of that net asset value. Uh, these guys over the last three years, their long short portfolio, so it's not a short mm. portfolio, it's a long short portfolio. Mm. They've got longs and shorts, mm. 42%. Over the last three years. Three years. Over the last four years, 21.5%. They yeah. had a pretty good they've done, year. They've done very well. So you can, uh, you can take all your Is Indian. Is that global as well? Uh, they do do global. Yeah. So you can take all your Indian ETFs 
And as far as I can say, just avoid them like the plague because these guys um, have knocked the lights out. They're very good. They were trading at a big discount to their NTA. That discount has closed up. Not only are they good at um, performance, but they're also pretty good at communication as well. And that is the key to these LICs, getting that um, discount uh, closed up, communicating, telling people what they've got, and that every day you get an NTA, you get a net tangible asset value, and you can compare that to the share price, and now the difference is not that great. And it's about three or four days behind, but I'm sorry, Lynn, this is not a hedge against market volatility. This has long positions and short positions. It may be geared on some of those longs. So it may have 160% long and it may have 30% short. Mm. That's the way they they work things, but it's not a hedge. Not a hedge. So would you wait until it it did trade at a discount to its NTA to pick some up? It does every now now and then, but you know, they've closed it up. The communication's good. You are buying the market. You are buying their brains. So will you buy it at these levels? I'm long, happy to be long. I'm holding. Um, I, as I say, as I said earlier, I think the next couple of months are going to be a bit dodgier. Yeah. So I wouldn't be buying it at these levels because it has run. Yeah. I'm not happy. I wouldn't sell them either. Yeah. But um, you know, these guys, quality. They've done an extraordinarily good job, and uh, you're buying their brains. If you can buy Warren Buffett's brain, not their Warren Buffett, but if you can buy Mark Landau's brain and his team yeah. for a 10, 15% discount yeah. to where the NTA is. Fill your boots, I think, is the broking expression. Fill your boots. <laughs> Giddy up is another one that I Giddy up. <laughs> no point in going for a wizard. Oh dear. Oh dear. Andrew, it is not an ETF. It is not an ETF. Is it going to find any love from you? It gets lots of love. In fact, out of all the companies, sorry, I know we've got one to go, but yeah. out of all the ones we're talking about today, this, this has is the, gem. the most love. Most love, okay. 6% of the Saran Super Fund is in LSF, L1. Uh, so for all the reasons that Henry spoke about, and I was fortunate enough to get it when that discount window was bigger, the I think it was about around an 8 to 9% discount to NTA. Uh, I was just having a sneaky look before NTA two ninety nine versus a share price of two ninety one at the moment. Mm. So that window is almost closed, and you certainly wouldn't be paying a premium. But again, using uh, my fingers, toes, uh, two seventy two is around a seven to eight. Sorry, an eight to nine percent discount to NTA. Mm-hmm. Chance of it going back to two seventy two is slim. Mm-hmm. It was in the t- mid two eighties, Henry. I think there a couple of days ago. Yeah. So if you could get it sort of low 280s, not quite ideal price, but mm. these are smart guys and girls. They're doing incredibly well, 42% return over the last three years. Mm. Lots of volatility coming our way in the next couple of months. You want mm. to have all the brains behind you that you can, hence surrender 6% uh, L1, so very com- or LSF, so very comfortable. However, it's not good buying. It's not terrible buying. And again, it's probably almost in nibble territory. A nibble territory, A little bit yeah. just to get you set, but yeah. you get stuck into it during times of market volatility, uncertainty. The market will get super concerned, but perversely, that is the time you should be getting into it because that's when they're going to make, LSF is going to make most of their money. Yeah. And just to remind everybody, like when we say fill your boots, that's not literally fill your boots. It's not a recommendation per se. Great. Last one. Charter Hall Social Infrastructure REIT, um, which actually has not had much love of moment. And uh, yeah, Tran would like to know what your thoughts are, Henry. Um, it hasn't had a lot of luck, has it? No. It hasn't had a lot of love. love. Um, I've got to say, this is bordering on a buy. 
Mm-hmm. They've got good assets, things mm. like childcare centres, um, life sciences, 100% occupancy, uh, long leases, long, uh, you know, 13.6 years. Good quality assets. Good quality they? assets, mm. uh, you know, medical, this sort of stuff, social infrastructure. Mm. I don't mind this one at all. I think it's been unloved. Not really sure why it's been unloved, but um, for me, this deserves a little bit of a man hug. Okay. This um, this is probably a buy here at 304, 305. Fair enough. Okay, so we have a buy. Are we going to have another buy, Andrew? Oh dear, that's a big sigh. There's a lot, a, of, sigh. a lot of face movement going on here. Uh, and I'm just looking at consensus over the last three months. Consensus has come off 8% over the last three months. So it's trading at a 17% discount to consensus and that mm. consensus has fallen away. So the chart looks interesting, albeit it looks like it's just started to come off there a little bit of late. <sighs> Henry's spot on. There's great assets and in particular long leases, the quality of assets they have in there. My big concern over any REIT at the moment... Debt. Debt? Debt, yeah. Mm. But my big concern over any of the REITs at the moment is that there hasn't been a lot of transactions taking place in commercial property. So value is a sort of basically saying there's been no real change and arguably that's because sellers aren't distressed enough Mm. and buyers are being miserable so there's too much of a gap there the asx does not have that same conundrum you just people treat the asx in particular reits like atms they just pull the money out Mm. and therefore um, they tend to trade well under um, ntas lots of acronyms well under um, asset backing when there's times of distress so something's got something's got to give here Mm. either there's transactions starting to take place in the unlisted world where we get a true evaluation or the market is overreacting i suspect we're probably somewhere in the middle which is why we've seen consensus come off about eight percent so whilst that is washing on through I'm inclined just to stand back as an interested observer. However, if we see bond yields continue to come under pressure, they were able to maybe reduce some debt. And I mean, they've been selling off, they've been addressing it. They've been selling off some of their childcare assets and using that to buy other, which has been, they've been selling at book value and buying other assets at a discount. So they're trying to address that concern. But bottom line, whilst that's still a washing out, I'm happy to observe from the Solomon. I really like Charter Hall. Good guys and girls do an incredible job. It's just the wrong space at the wrong time. Yeah, fair enough. So that's a hold? It is a hold. A hold. Right. So let's sum up in terms of the uh, the last five stocks that you have picked today. And uh, we're going to start with Wiser, formerly known as Wizer. And we have a hold from Henry and Andrew, a hold, but both of them citing that this stock could come in for a lot of tax selling as we go into the financial year end. So just be aware that uh, it's possibly too early to buy should you be inclined in that direction. Looking at the beta shares, Quality India Fund, an avoid from Henry, if you don't understand the stocks that are actually in the ETF, then don't go there. Andrew, um, well, he's more a quality factor man. So Q-U-A-L. Qual. Just qual. say qual. Just say qual. qual. You'll feel qual, better about qual. qual. Would be the preferred one. Um, yeah, so possibly, again, we have a, an avoid to a hold slash skip. Yep. Okay, looking at the beta shares geared US fund. Henry, we have a hold take profits on that one. Just wanted to cite that it is a geared fund and therefore it attaches higher risk, particularly when the market sell off. For Andrew, um, QUS is the preferred one in that sector. And uh, again, just a hold at, at, at best 
on that one. And LSF, the Long Short Fund, the LI Long Short Fund, um, a lot of love from both Henry and Andrew for this lick, but unfortunately, it's no longer trading at such a discount to its NTA. So one to put on a, a nibble slash buy on weakness, but I think both of the guests probably really, really like this stock. And you're buying the intellectual rigor and uh, the success of this fund up 43% over the last three years. Charter wholesale social infrastructure rate. Henry is looking to possibly buying on weakness on that one, bordering on a buy. It's looking a bit unloved. Andrew, though, concerned that we haven't had enough asset transactions in the real estate space of unlisted assets. So the downgrades that we've seen in the earnings there could continue to come through as valuations are marked down. So a hold at this stage. And that's it for the call today. I think we've had um, lots of fun. Well, certainly I have, apart from embarrassing myself, but that's part of the gig, I reckon. You guys have been immense fun, um, and hopefully I'll get another opportunity to host the show. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, please go to ausbiz.co forward slash callpicks or tweet us at ausbiz. Thank you so much for joining the call. I hope you've enjoyed the program. See you tomorrow.